Chapter 12 The Dark Island After this adventure, they sailed on south and a little east for twelve days with a gentle wind, the skies being mostly clear and the air warm, and saw no bird or fish, except that once there were whales spouting a long way to starboard. Lucy and Ribachit played a good deal of chess at this time. Then on the thirteenth day, Edmund, from the fighting top, sighted what looked like a great dark mountain rising out of the sea on their port bow. Welcome to Fernarnia and for Aslan. I'm Bethy and this is Katie, and together we're exploring the voyage of the Dawn Treader by C.S. Lewis. In chapter 12, our heroes come to a place of pure darkness, where Ripicheep convinces them to adventure forth into the dark and the cold. They find the terrified and desperate Lord Roop, who tells them to flee for their lives, for here is where dreams come true. Flee they do, and in complete panic, until Lucy asks for Aslan's help, and they're brought back to the light. In case anybody's confused, so were the Narnians. When they heard dreams come true, at first they thought that was a good thing. But we're not talking about daydreams, we're talking about dreams. That's a hauntingly beautiful moment where one of the sailors is like, oh, I've been looking for this island my whole life. If I were to go there, then I'd be married to Nancy. Right. And another one says there Tom would be alive. Yeah. So hard and sad. Their deepest wishes. And then we find out that it's their nightmares instead. And of course, this is what Lord Roop fell for. Like, that's why he was there in the first place, because he thought that it was daydreams. Yeah, I'm curious. We don't find out how he got left on that island and the others went on if he chose that how they knew what type of island it was supposed to be and it makes me wonder what his daydream was that he was so desperate to have hmm. so when they first go to this island they realize it's not a land at all it's a darkness but there must be land inside that Rupa's is standing on yeah there must have been i've always been confused by that like when Edmund is staring down into the water and it's described as oily and like slushy and slow. So creepy. Yeah. But I've always wondered like, is the water really shallow? And Lord Roop is like, st- I, I don't know, for some reason I've always imagined ever since I was a kid that he was just standing in this slush forever. Ooh. But there had to have been land, right? Well, I hear him swimming towards them, but there must have been. Yeah. You just wouldn't be able to live otherwise. There has to be land. And my guess is it's some sort of magic that he's not like, you know, homesteading out there getting his food and everything. Right. I mean, the whole island is more of a concept exploration than a real place. Although, maybe this is the time to talk about the inconsistency between our books. I didn't even know that we had inconsistency between our books until you pointed it out. I didn't know that this was a thing. Tell us. So there have been one or two places where I've come across different versions of the Narnia books. I can't remember any of the other places, but one that I know is this Dark Island chapter, and it just happens at the end. Bethy, would you just read to us the last paragraph of your version? And actually, yeah. is is there a part where it says the island disappears when they look back? Yeah, I'll read that. Make sure to read that part, yeah. Lord Rube fell on his knees and kissed the king's hand. Sire, he said, you are the man in all the world I most wished to see. Grant me a boon. What is it? asked Caspian. Never bring me back there, he said. He pointed astern. They all looked. But they saw only bright blue sea and bright blue sky. The dark island and the darkness had vanished forever. Why, cried Lord Roop, you've destroyed it. I don't think it was us, said Lucy. 
and then it goes on to have a conversation about like oh should the men go down for a sleep caspian's like yeah i'm pretty sleepy too and they moved on and when i read that version i thought that doesn't quite make sense like why would they take him back there that's obvious yeah but listen to what it says in my version <laughs> crazy i don't i'm so curious about this lord roop fell on his knees and kissed the king's hand sire he said you are the man in all the world i most wish to see grant me a boon what is it asked caspian never to ask me nor to let any other ask me what i have seen during my years on the dark island an easy boon my lord answered caspian and added with a shudder ask you i should think not i would give all my treasure not to hear it and then drinian says the stuff about sending the men to their hammocks to get some rest that's so different so all afternoon with great joy, they sailed southeast with a fair wind, and the hump of darkness grew smaller and smaller astern. But nobody oh noticed gosh. when the albatross had disappeared. <laughs> yeah, that right? so not what mine says. <laughs> I know. What do you think happened with that? I don't know, but let's check the years that they're printed. Good call. So mine says copyright 1952, C.S. Lewis, copyright renewed, da, 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 da. first Collier Books edition 1970. Oh, mine says... Copyright 52, copyright renewed 1980, and then... I'm just going to do a little Google right now. 1994. So I think yours is older than mine. Huh. So here's from the fandom. With Island fading away into the distance, either literally or figuratively, depending on the version. really happened to the, at the Dark Island. Na, na, na. These are all from fandoms. So then is there nothing... Of Lewis responding to that question? I'm not finding anything that says, like, version history. That's so weird. Okay, so then what is your guess? I assume yours is the older version. Why would they have changed it? That's my guess, too. Honestly, that's my hope, is that Lewis wrote my version and that the version that you have is an editorial change later. Oh, so you don't think that Lewis made the change? Well, it's possible, but... Oh, you know, he must have, or there would have been copyright issues. I like my version better. I like that it stays there. It doesn't make sense to me that it disappeared unless, I mean, maybe Aslan showing up there in albatross form in some way is like undoing the island. To me, it made more sense to see it as a feature of the world that they had to make it through, but they made it through. They didn't like defeat it. That's so funny because I like my version better. Like, hey, I like that this place existed until Aslan made it not exist anymore. Mm. Yeah. Because it hardly even exists. It, Like you said, it's a concept rather than a place almost. Mm -hmm. And it makes more sense to me as a concept if it stops existing when it's been touched by Aslan. I can see that. If I were a text critic, like trying to piece together the original, I would say mine is more original, both because of the dates, but also because... It doesn't make sense for Roop to ask, don't take me back there. That seems like a, a change to try and create that new setting. But that doesn't mean it's oh, a because, bad change. Like, why would they take like, him back? Obviously, that's not like a real threat. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it's a bad change for the reasons you said. It's really interesting to see how it was weaved together the two different ways. Was weaved, was woven. <laughs> <laughs> Does yours have the same last sentence about nobody noticed when the albatross had disappeared? Yeah. That's nice. Really odd. Well, either way, whether this place even existed or not, they experienced it. And oh, so yeah. Katie 
Do you think that we're supposed to judge them for their experience or to sympathize with them for running for their lives when they find out what the island is? I mean, Reap really judges them for it. He does. He's like, why are you trying to leave just because you found out what it is? And in the movie version, it shows all sorts of horrible things actually physically happening and like they have to fight the dreams and stuff that are coming to life. But in the book, nothing happens, which Lucy even points out like, well, it's I guess nothing bad has actually happened yet. They can all they all think they hear things that well, they're yeah, imagining. I, I kind of want to push back against that. I think that like them hearing things and experiencing emotions is real enough that like someone said the gongs are beginning. I knew they would. And just yeah. because that person is the only one who hears the gongs doesn't mean that they're not real or being experienced. I don't know. Mm. I just I want to believe that what is in our head is legitimate but at the same time I'm like I don't know that I want to give it that power it's hard right and and what confused me was so what it reminded me of the death water part where we talked about like this temptation was just too much for these people like it wasn't even in their capacity to fight it and so Aslan mm -hmm. stepped in on their behalf and this kind of felt like that Caspian says there are some things no man can face and it just felt like that kind of instinctual run for your life. Who can blame them? But Reepicheep does blame them. And that's really interesting. Like, why doesn't he have the same? Like, he's of a different kind. I mean, he is in rare form in this chapter. <laughs> he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's the one who makes them go on the island. And then he's like, let's stay. They're all trying to decide if they should go around the island or just avoid it. And if they should go in. And Reep says, and why not? Will someone explain to me why not? <laughs> That's the voice. <laughs> so far as I know, we did not set sail to look for things useful, but to seek honor and adventure. And here is as great an adventure as ever I heard of. And then the sailors whispered to each other, honor be blowed. <laughs> yeah, something that, under their breath that sounded like honor be blowed. <laughs> Caspian says, bother you. I almost wish we'd left you at home. Okay, fine. <laughs> and then later, again, Caspian has the chance to respond to Reepicheep. And he says, I don't care, Reepicheep, we're leaving. You can say all you like, Reepicheep. There are some things no man can face. Reepicheep says, it is then my good fortune not to be a man. With a very stiff bow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oy. In some ways, I really admire him choosing adventure. Well, especially in the way that he assessed the situation that like mm. he made the, his decision based on their values that they've claimed. Yeah, their and purpose they've claimed for the trip. adventure, honor, and obviously finding these seven lords. Yep. Had they not followed Reepicheep's example, they wouldn't have found Lord Roop. Right. He'd be still there. So they needed Reep and... I really like that his reasoning really had to do with the values that they set off with. If they had mm. chosen different values, then yeah, they could avoid this island. And also, maybe Reap wouldn't have come. True. Yeah, that was very clear-headed in that moment. Everybody starts thinking about what's the point of going in? Why would it be worth it? Why would it be helpful? And he's reminding them, but that's just because you're afraid of it. We've never made any of our other decisions for those reasons. I feel like just in general... It's helpful to have a list of values for moments like this mm -hmm. where you have to make a hard decision and you're like, mm -hmm. okay, well, maybe it's I went on this trip for these three reasons. Is this going to follow these three reasons? No. Okay, so I'm not going to do it. Hmm. But maybe it's like, okay, I took this job for this specific reason and it feels like this task is stupid and I don't want to do it, but it's going to help me toward my ultimate goal. Right. So I'm going to do it anyway. 
Wow, that hits home. (laughs) (laughs) My goodness. I just think lists of values are really underrated. Valuable. (laughs) Go with your words. That was better. (laughs) (laughs) And I think I'm especially thinking about this because we're moving. Mm. And we're moving back to the Pacific Northwest. And we're choosing a new lifestyle. And it's a weird one. Mm. It's one of living on a ski mountain during ski season. And then living on our sailboat during the spring and living on trails during the summer, traveling and then returning to the ski mountain. And I realize as I'm saying it, how very privileged I am to be able to look into the future and see that for myself. Mm. But I also realize we're choosing a set of values that maybe are not the average. Mm. And so I think I almost want us to write down like what are our three values or whatever number it's going to be so that when we come across decisions in Mm. our travels, maybe it's, hey, we're not sure if we want to do a trip this fall to Ecuador or if we want to go to New Zealand instead, which is literally what we're deciding. Okay. (laughs) There's just big decisions coming up. Maybe we won't choose either of those, but I want to make those kinds of decisions based on the values that we choose for this season. Yeah. What are our goals for this adventure? And let's follow those. Mm -hmm. So when they leave the island, are they abandoning those values or it's just come to, there's a point when adventure isn't their top value anymore? Well, to be fair, they found the Lord Roop. Yep. And that was their top priority of this entire trip. Yes. So I would say that they continue to follow their values. What would you say? You know, the value of adventure, I can see very clearly how that's Reepicheep's value. It seems like for the rest, it's more a side perk of the trip. Yeah. Maybe for Caspian, it's a it's a central feature too, or maybe more discovering. Mm. But yeah, I think it's fair to say we've discovered this place enough and it doesn't have good in it that we want to find out more about. Mm. I like that. That feels really clear. We gave it a try. You know, I tried the broccoli and I now I'm, I'm, I'm sure I don't like it. Precisely. <laughs> Although you're supposed to try food seven times, but I don't think you have to try seven dark times. islands that many times. What? Yeah, before before you can actually know. Well, I don't know. I heard that as a kid, at least. Oh, I think <laughs> Maybe that was a lie. Three at the most. Hmm. Seven? Well, just getting used to new tastes is a process. Wow. <laughs> Anyway, they decide to leave. They do. And they're very, very panicked. Decide is a strong word for it. They flee. They try Mm -hmm. to run for their lives, but they can't get out. They get off course. They're rowing out longer than they've rowed in and there's still no end in sight. And then the albatross comes. Thank goodness. Thank Aslan. Yeah. And and Lucy does pray. That's amazing that she remembered to pray in that moment. Mm-hmm. And this albatross comes and it starts guiding their way. But first, Lucy hears it whisper to her, courage, dear heart. So do you think, Bethy, that only Lucy heard? It says, no one except Lucy knew that as it circled the mast, it had whispered to her, courage, dear heart, with a voice that she sure is Aslan's and with a delicious smell. Do you think that others had a similar experience that only they knew? Honestly, I think so. Yeah, because it's circling three times around the mast and it perches, it crests the dragon at the prow, and it has this sweet voice, strong and sweet, that it's calling out with. Seem to be words, though no one understood them. And I'm kind of feeling like there's a lot of people on board. And that's a long time, like three Mm. rounds around and perching and singing that whole time. Why wouldn't it be Aslan having a message for each individual? 
And I could also imagine it being different ways to different ones, like this this particular whispered phrase to her, but maybe for Drinian, like seeing the direction being the the message, yeah. The presence of Aslan. Mm-hmm. Not that it has to be certain, just that there's a range of possibilities of how Aslan might be talking to them. It is interesting to me that just a few moments later, they shoot out into the sunlight in the warm blue world again. And all at once, everybody realized that there was nothing to be afraid of and never had been. It's not interesting. Like it really is being in a dream and out of a dream. Mm-hmm. And being why should that realization and that actual relief flooding through everybody come from a message? I don't know. I just think I want to have an open heart to that idea. <laughs> hmm. Where does it say it was only a dream? There was nothing to be afraid of and never had been. Um, Just in the paragraph below the courage, dear heart. Almost before they shut out and they realized it was only a dream. It wasn't real. Mine doesn't say never had been anywhere, I don't know. Whoa! Okay, read yours exactly. In a few moments, the darkness turned into a grayness ahead, and then, almost before they had dared to begin hoping, they had shot out into the sunlight and were in the warm blue world again. And just as there are moments when simply to lie in bed and see the daylight pouring through your window, to hear the cheerful voice of an early postman or milkman down below, and to realize that it was only a dream, it wasn't real is so heavenly that it was nearly, very nearly worth having the nightmare in order to have the joy of waking. So they all felt when they came out of the dark. Continue. The brightness of the ship herself astonished them. They had half expected to find that the darkness would cling to the white and the green and the gold in the form of some grime or scum. That huge section about the milkman and waking up from the nightmare does not exist in mine. Are you serious? I'm 100% serious. I have the sunlight where the warm blue world is again. And then it says, all at once, everyone realized that there was nothing to be afraid of and never had been. They blinked their eyes and looked about them. The brightness of the ship herself astonished them. And it matches yours again. (gasps) No way. That's crazy. Why? 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 I like yours so much better. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty loyal. (laughs) Well, mostly I'm like, but it was real. Like. They experienced it. Uh, Therefore, there was something to be afraid uh-huh. of. Right. And this, there is the realization that it was a dream. It wasn't real, it says. No, mine never but says the word dream. <laughs> nothing to be afraid of and never had been. That's and so why would, weird. If like per our earlier hypothesis, mine is the earlier version, why would it get rid of the postman image of like waking up in the morning? Yeah, I really like that image. I'm bummed. I want to read your version. <laughs> it feels That's like. That's interesting. Someone, I don't know if it was Lewis or somebody else, read this chapter and they were like, imperfect. Fix it. Right. Like there's some other other goal or other values in mind, which I can see how they might change the end for that reason. I don't really understand why you would change this part. Me either. For that reason. How many other parts of this are different? Hmm. Wow. On that mind-blowing note, are we ready to move on? <laughs> I guess. I don't know what else to do. I know. I, I feel really uncertain. <laughs> <laughs> ah, listeners, if you know more, let us know Please. because we're uh, we're all of a... What's the phrase I'm looking for? All of a flutter? We're all of a flutter.
Our sacred reading practice today is Pardes, which plays with the idea that every single sentence in this text is worthwhile. So I asked Katie to choose a sentence at random. What do you have for us, Katie? This is from Reepicheep, talking to Roop. He says, we are not used to flying. Mm. That's a really interesting moment. I mean, let's just jump right in because the first step is pshat, which is asking for the context and a basic understanding of what's going on. And of course, this is when Roop has come on board and is telling them to flee for their lives. Fly, fly. Roop says, compose yourself. Tell us what the danger is. We are not used to flying. Roop says, nevertheless, you will fly from here. It's such a proud thing to say. In general, Reepicheep has a lot of pride in this chapter. I'm also thinking of this moment mm. where he says, If you are a foe, we do not fear you. And if you are a friend, mm. your enemies shall be taught the fear of us. In these kind of moments, he's really speaking for the group in ways that I almost feel like, does he have that authority? Like the group does not necessarily agree. <laughs> yeah. Plenty of these people would have experience flying. Don't you think? Very much so. Oh, Yeah. I mean, there was the part just a few chapters before where they're all embarrassed to let Lucy go to the magician's room because they've all run away lots of times and been scared. Reepicheep is a rare bird. <laughs> Mouse. We are not used to flying. In some ways, it's helpful that they've got him to speak for them. Okay, I could see it both ways. On the one hand, he's putting out this bravado. Like, it's not bravado to him, but to speak on behalf of them, it is. But on the other hand, it holds them up to maybe what their high standard would be if they weren't so scared. Right, like he's calling them to be their best selves. Right, and it does break through at the moment when they all panic and try to row out of the island. So it, it works to a point, I guess. I guess. Like it stretches them past their own capacity, but it can only stretch them so far. It does. I'm just kind of wondering what this would feel like to be told that if you're in Roop's position. Mm. He's just finally been saved, and now he's been told this is a group of people who are not going to quickly save you. Uh, which, from his perspective, is just foolishness. Like, there's no winning against this place. Mm -hmm. Well, our next step is remes, which is when we choose one word to focus in on. And it's such a small sentence. We don't have that many options. Mm -hmm. We are not used to flying. Can't decide between used, like used to, and flying. <laughs> Let's do flying, because there's already so many things popping up in my mind. We've got the albatross in this chapter. We've got Eustace learning how to fly as a dragon. Right. It's almost a word... It's not two different meanings, but it does diverge in two pretty different directions. Like flying as in like going up in the sky versus flying like fleeing. Right. Are they different words or are they the same word? Oh. Like I'm thinking of the psalm that says fly like a bird to your cave, like run away, which makes it seem like the same word. That's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Let's do it. Let's include both meanings. Okay. But so that's an interesting thing, flying as a version of running away instead of any other kind of running away. We don't see much of that in these books. Fly, you fools. That's Tolkien. Yeah. <laughs> he just means run. That fits here, though, pretty well. It's oh, like yeah. there's no point sticking around and fighting or saving me. Like, run away. Hmm. I mean, I'm picturing Shasta running and running and running to try to tell the king that there's an army coming. Yeah. But that's opposite. Like, really, the, he's running towards. toward the danger. When they're escaping the White Witch, the Pevensies and the Beavers. Oh, yeah. And they have to leave the house quickly. Mm -hmm. There's flight there. Yeah, they are trying to get somewhere, too. Right. Here, it's only a way. In Prince Caspian, when they are trying to get to Aslan's Howe and they have to run away from Telmarines who are shooting at them. 
And when Caspian runs away from Miraz oh, yeah. at the beginning. Yeah, 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 that's good. Before he knows he's going to anything. Mm-hmm. So he's used to flying at least one time. <laughs> Side note, the guy is telling them, Rup is telling them, fly away from this accursed shore. I wonder if it's on the shore itself that things like materialize. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. Oh, I love that idea. Hmm. And they're just close enough to know how bad it is. Hmm. He says, um, the sailor says, I reckon I'd find I was married to Nancy if we landed here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they realize what it would mean to land on a country where dreams come true. Where do we see flying in scripture? Oh, I'm thinking of the young man who's following Jesus. And when the soldiers come to take Jesus away, the young man runs away huh. naked. Yeah, because they grab his coat, his cloak, and all the disciples running away in some way, mm-hmm. except the women. Uh, Moses, when he runs away from Egypt after killing the Egyptian Mm. because Pharaoh's trying to kill him. And Elijah ran away and hid on the mountain before God came, (laughs) but he wasn't in the storm and he wasn't in the wind. He was the still small voice. Yeah. The Israelites running away from the Egyptians. Like across the Red Sea. Mm -hmm. That psalm about how can you say to me, flee like a bird to your mountain. Mm. Jonah running away from God calling him to Nineveh. That's a good one. So with all this in mind, let's go into Drosh, which is asking if we were to preach a sermon about this sentence, what would we preach about? We are not used to flying. I think I would preach about pride. I don't Mm. have my thoughts fully formed about it, but that's really what I think of when I hear this sentence is what a very proud thing to say. And a lot of it's the pride is tied up in ignorance of how severe the danger Mm -hmm. is thinking that you can overcome anything the last step of pardes is sowed which is looking for a secret we'll see if something is whispered to us we are not used to flying Well, this just plays on the multiple meanings of flying. If it were in any other context except this discussion about flee, run for your lives, that sentence sounds like this beautiful invitation to learning how to fly in a different way, more like the albatross way. That's so cool. You're not used to it, but come try it. Mm. Thinking of the story of Moses again, I think of he ran away and that was part of how God called him back in a new way. I guess running away was the thing to do right then, maybe, Mm -hmm. but it was part of being able to come back under God's authority and call like he couldn't do when he tried to kill the Egyptian on his own. Beautiful sewed. Our scripture reading today is Psalm 3. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Rise, Lord, deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. 
I love that psalm. Me too. I believe that there's a, a monastic rhythm where this is read every morning because of the line, I lie down and sleep, I wake again because the Lord sustains me. And it just narrates as you start the day that it's God who's raised you up into the new day. That's perfect. You, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. That really is shown in this moment between Lucy's prayer and Aslan saying, mm. courage, dear heart, where she realizes it might not be so bad. That's the best moment. In fact, I think she even puts her head down, doesn't she? And then she looks up when the albatross comes. Yeah, she leans her head on the edge to pray, almost like a kneeling stool mm -hmm. and a pew. And then she begins to feel a little, a very, very little better. <laughs> There's a song called You Are My Glory that's written and sung, performed by a group of artists from North Carolina, a mix of folks with and without developmental disabilities. And wow. they have a whole album. I wish I could remember the name for you all right now. Maybe somebody will chime in and we'll be able to share it later. But this one is just, you are my glory, the one who lifts my head up. And you are always with me. You are always with me. You are always with me. And that's all the words of the song the whole time. Oh, that's so beautiful. It's wonderful. I hope that you all have a chance to run into it, even though I can't direct you there. <laughs> Bethy, in our world, how does Aslan show up like this? I mean, it's that moment of when I fear, I pray. And I think it's a very human instinct. Hmm. I mean, people who don't believe in God talk about moments where they're afraid and they pray. Yeah. And I really love that Lucy feels just a little bit better. Hmm. I think that's so real. Yeah. Sure, God has beautiful, giant moments of deliverance. But there are plenty of times that I have felt those moments of I'm afraid and so I'm going to pray. It might not even be that I feel better. It's just knowing that I could pray that makes me feel better. That like I'm not actually alone. What do you think? I think that's it. <laughs> yep. There's that moment Lucy wants to go down and be with Caspian and Edmund, but then she realizes what's the use? They could turn into something horrible too, but that's not how it is with God. God is solid. Hmm. You're my shield, my glory. Should we hear the last paragraph? As confusing as it is, because you're about to read something that doesn't exist in my book. Yes, do. <laughs> this is the last paragraph from Katie's version. <laughs> Sire, said Drinian, this wind is fair for the southeast. Shall I have our poor fellows up and set sail? And after that, every man who can be spared to his hammock. Yes, said Caspian, and let there be grog all round. Hey-ho, I feel I could sleep the clock round myself. So all afternoon, with great joy, they sailed southeast with a fair wind, and the hump of darkness grew smaller and smaller astern. But nobody noticed when the albatross had disappeared. Please, Katie, before we go, will you tell us when we can come back to Narnia again? Please... No, do, do, do make it soon. We'll be back next week with chapter 13 of The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. We'll be back next week with chapter 13.
of the voyage? Of the voyage of the Dawn Treader. I was thinking in my head, like, I feel like in previous books we used to say the title, but it's not here. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> 